0: Saturday morning to everybody, and welcome to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast, along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. Good to see you, Rob. Hey,
1: Gary. How you doing this morning? Oh,
0: man. Not too bad. How about you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Summer is half over. Can you believe that? Now we're in August. And I'm a glasses half full kind of guy. It went quick. It always does. But hold on a second. We're talking like it's past tense. It's only half over. So, I mean, I, I, I'm I thinking there's still plenty of summer to go. But
1: there is. I think when we get to the second half of the summer, I start prepping, at least with my clients, like for the fall market. Because if somebody is getting ready now to do something, by the time they're buying a home or closing on something, it's going to be, you know, September, October. We're going to be into the fall.
0: Is real estate in the n- n- Northeast, is it a three-season endeavor
1: or is – I mean, there's always the seasons for sure. And we've done the whole show on seasonality, right? Sure. So plays in. I would say it's around mid to late September, early October. We start seeing a little bit of a shift. You see a good amount of people kind of pull back from the market because it's getting into the fall, school time, people are back from vacation and all that. And then it's around um, Halloween, the end of October, I see a really big shift and that's everyone gets out that doesn't want to buy a home during the holidays, the New Year's timeline. Those people all get out by the end of October, early November, because if you're going under contract on a home at the end of fall, right, or I guess depending on when you're exactly doing that, you're not going to close till early to mid-December on the early side, probably January on the later side. Mm -hmm. And that's going to have a big impact on people's vacation plans, their holidays with the family and how all that works. So there's a huge amount of people that get out of the market in that September-October timeline. Now, where I've had an advantage when I was single and it didn't matter when I was buying a home is that's when I'd be getting in. That's when I'd be trying to negotiate and buy my properties is when all these other people have pulled back because there's less competition. And when I look at the properties I bought and when I've done it, it's always in that sweet spot. Every single house I bought. And even back years ago when I did it, it wasn't it wasn't on purpose. It wasn't, hey, let's buy a house when it's cheap. It was based on life circumstances, okay. right? But I just happened to get lucky. And now knowing these things all this time in the industry, I look back and go, well, I just got lucky because I happened to time it right.
0: I, I was I was right about to say timing is everything. And let's face it, you know, it's one thing to be buying a home for yourself. But if you are building a portfolio of investment, uh, of property investments, property Uh, that's year-round, right?
1: Oh, yeah. There's investment opportunities all the time. There really are. Uh, It really doesn't matter. I've had people get deals of a lifetime in the winter. I've had people do it in the summer. It's all about just being ready to seize the opportunity, right? And because the inventory has been so, so scarce, like we've talked about Uh it show after show, and that's not letting up anytime soon. So I've had a renewed interest in the last couple months. I've been seeing a lot of people that have been reaching out to me because – They're not really wanting to be in the market, or they've been in the housing market for long enough. Now they're switching gears saying, Can I buy my family's house? Can I get this inherited house? And there's a lot of pieces to that puzzle. It's not just like buying a normal home. We've never done a show on this. So I thought it was a really opportune thing right now because so many people are going, Well, where do I find a house? I can't find a house in the market. But what about grandma's house? What about grandpa's house or what about mom and dad's house that they're ready to move on to the next phase of their life? But they've got this house. They want to keep it in the family. That's a common thing, right? You know, you've got a family home. So this is something I've always had one or two a year transactions like this. So it's been something that I've seen consistently, but now it's come a a lot to where I'm seeing a lot more interest in this now than before. Usually you can get a
0: pretty good deal on a family house.
1: (laughs) That's a great deal on a family house, no matter what the market is.
0: All right, so then maybe we should start with you explaining some of the unique aspects and some of the potential benefits of buying a home from a family member compared to, let's say, uh, you know, traditional real estate right. transactions. So
1: traditional real estate, you're out there in the market looking at any and everything that meets your criteria. Whereas the family home, you've got a personal connection to that home, whether you've lived there yourself as a member of the family. Maybe it's a spouse lived there or grew up there. Um I had one last year where he had never lived there at all. It was his grandfather's house. His grandfather, you know, was getting up there in age. They wanted to figure out what to do with the house before the grandfather couldn't sign documents and do things and it had that connection with the family. This house had been in the family. I think the grandfather built it. In like the 1930s, 1940s, and now it was for the first time ever going to be transferred. They wanted to keep that house in the family. Um, There's familiarity with the property, right? Even if you didn't live there, you've probably been there for events or family occasions, dinners, things like that. So those memories, you know, those have a lasting impact, a Mm -hmm. priceless impact where the it's not really about the money with that. So there's also, as you alluded to, there's the potential in a family purchase to have a very very strong negotiation or a more flexible negotiation, I should say mainly in favor of the buyer because of this personal connection. The seller is normally family, so they're going to want to give you a good deal as a member of their family. They're not trying to squeeze out every penny, right? They're not trying to maximize their profit like a normal home seller would be taking one person's bid over the other just because that person's you know $100 more. With a family purchase, that's not really the case. Um, Also, the terms that you can negotiate – uh, are very flexible from the standpoint of down payment and closing. So in a lot of these transactions, the buyer is putting up little to no money. And most of the time, it's no money. They're getting a gift of equity is what we call it. They're getting a gift of the equity in the property. So that's going to mean little to no funds needed from the buyer, makes it a lot easier to qualify. Um, and then the last thing is the emotional attachment to the home. There's a legacy component to this. There's a continuity component to this. Uh, Sometimes a family member will say, I built this house or I lived here. I raised you kids here. I don't want this house leaving the family. There's a legacy they want to leave. Right. And sometimes you want to adhere to that. You want to accommodate that, whether they're here or not here anymore. So that's a big, you know, big Hmm. piece of it. And you can tell there's a there's already a lot of emotion involved in a housing purchase. When you're dealing with a family purchase, you can double that emotion.
0: So maybe, let me ask you this way, some of the okay. key considerations that both the buyer and seller, they need to you know, keep in mind during the, a family home purchase. So this
1: is, this is very different than a normal real estate transaction because you already have a relationship with the seller of the home, okay. okay? Right. So I would say the most important thing is depending on that relationship dynamic, I mean, let's be transparent in saying some family dynamics are toxic. Some family dynamics are negative and uh, just not conducive of a good transaction, a, a stress free transaction, right? You're just asking for trouble when you deal with certain people, certain personality types. So you want to establish clear boundaries right from the get go clear boundaries on communication, on, on just everything, and also set proper expectations. You know, we've talked about that in the general context of a real estate transaction, but. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not going to be a realtor here, I think, to cut to the chase. You're not really going to have an intermediary like a realtor involved in 99.9 percent of these. Is it just an attorney? Yeah, it's just an attorney that you would have. Now, you can get a realtor, but part of the benefit of selling to families, you don't need a realtor to find someone to buy the home. So you can save a significant amount of commissions by not going that route. But that also means that you as the buyer are kind of the point person other than a potential attorney, as we'll be discussing. Um, But that makes it important to really set that, draw that line in the sand on what to expect and whatnot and be comfortable with that. Also, you're going to need to get a professional home appraisal we're going to facilitate that if you're getting a mortgage but even if you're not getting a mortgage and you're buying this house with a you know no money at all out of pocket and you don't need a mortgage and it's coming to you free and clear you still want to get a home appraisal because you want to know what that property's worth you don't want there to be disagreements down the line about how much equity there is it's not hearsay there's a real number on what that property's worth so you can either have your mortgage lender uh, order an appraisal as part of the normal process of the loan or again if there's no loan you can go find a, a local appraiser that can come appraise the property for you and pay that out of pocket Hmm. you want to address those um, potential dynamics that could come up during the transaction for example if you're buying a home from say grandpa joe but he's got somebody whispering in his ear right maybe he's got a girlfriend or he's got somebody else that's you know really making it more difficult you want to really understand that up front those potential hurdles and those dynamics because it could cause a big issue it could cause the whole deal to go off track and off the rails, so if you know and if you know those challenges up front about the people that may be involved that could throw a, a curveball into this transaction, then it can really help in a lot of cases where I've seen that is they're selling the house to a family member, but somebody else is going, "Hey, what about me? I thought you were leaving it to me. Uh, the example of like a girlfriend or significant right. other that maybe wasn't in the inheritance, something like that. So that can definitely be something that comes along. Uh, often. And the most important thing I can say to this, Gary, is just make sure everything's in writing. That's really the simple piece. It's really easy when you're dealing with family to not put it in writing, right? It's almost awkward to put things in writing when you're dealing with family. But when a home purchase transaction from family, it's got to be in writing or you're asking for trouble. Take it from my experience. How
0: can emotions come into play during these transactions? And what advice do you have for managing them to And let's say ensure a smooth process.
1: Right. So keeping those communication lines open through the process, not only up front, but this is a process. This is not a click on Amazon and it's there the next day type of deal, (laughs) right? So you may talk to them right up front and have a bunch of understanding and then the appraisal comes back and there's a problem or there's a hurdle to overcome with that appraisal. You might have to, again, tackle that issue. Right there, right then and there to figure out a solution. And it might be unsettling, awkward, weird, call it what you want, but it's got to be done. The issues that I've seen is when people are buying property from family and an issue comes up and rather than tackling it, they try to like sweep it under the rug or hide it or not bring it up till the end. And that can cause a lot of issue and stress. You really need to separate your emotions from the financial when it comes to the family purchase. Because again, there's always so much emotion with a home purchase. Now you're bringing that level up another couple notches you need to step back because at some point it can get overwhelming, right? You're dealing with numbers, you're dealing with memories, you're dealing with family, you're dealing with personalities, and it's just, it can get really overwhelming. So stepping back and really knowing your numbers, understanding your numbers, being confident in your numbers, that can help you to make it a, a smooth process. And the last thing I'll say, and this is probably the most important piece is If at all possible, you want to get a neutral third party involved. Now, we talked about not necessarily having a realtor because you want to avoid those those additional costs and expenses. But you know the most common neutral third party I found that can be opportune in these scenarios is a real estate attorney. They have experience dealing with this stuff. They know how to talk to people if they're good. They know the dynamics of the family purchase help, can help maybe smooth some things out. If you don't have a neutral attorney third party, find somebody that can be a neutral third party that can be unbiased and kind of help Bridge that gap of communication between the buyer, you, or the seller, you know, the family members. So that's huge because that can really help oh, yeah. to just take things off. And normally you have a realtor handling that, but here you don't. No, no, right? no.
0: You're right. Not I mean, it, it's I wonder. If you can does it have to be an attorney?
1: It's, absolutely, that does not. It no. can. be I'm saying any neutral third party. Okay. You might have Uncle Joe is your neutral third party. <laughs> you know, that's fine. But and it's if you don't have someone else. An attorney is your best bet. Any
0: potential pitfalls or, I don't know, maybe challenges that can arise when you're buying a home from a family member?
1: Yeah, I would say the, you know having proper documentation to avoid the legal issues. So the potential pitfalls are like you guys have a verbal agreement, right? And it's not down in writing yet. And then you start moving through the process and things change. But there's nothing in writing, so there's not really a baseline. So get it in writing that we said it earlier, like that is so, so, so important for these family transactions to avoid legal issues, because if it comes down to a legal issue, you're going to need something in writing to, to plead your case. And if you don't have it, then you're out of luck. Uh, Avoid assumptions about the property condition and the property value. Uh, Although a lot of people don't do home inspections on a family purchase, I recommend it because you may think you know the house. You've been there for decades or years, but you may not know what's in the attic, what's in the basement, what potential hurdles are you going to have, what repairs might you have within the first couple years of owning that home. To me, it's worth it to get that home inspection, not just assume. The home appraisal, of course, too. You know, they might think the house is worth 500000 but is it? Is it? Is it worth a lot more than that or is it worth a lot less? That's where the appraisal is going to come in. And in the case of getting a mortgage, which is most of the time what you're going to be doing in these scenarios, the mortgage lender is really the one that you want to collaborate with to order the appraisal. Because if you don't, you're going to have to order a second one. The appraisal for a mortgage has to be ordered in a very specific fashion to adhere to specific guidelines like the HVCC, which is the Home Valuation Code of Conduct. And if you try to order it on your own and then use it, you're out of luck. You're going to have to pay twice. I've always told clients that want to go that route, like, hey, just hold your horses. Let's get to that point in the process and then we'll order the appraisal for the mortgage and you can use it at the same time to show, you know, your family member if that's what you choose to do. Um, And the last thing is balance financial fairness. So, you know, we're talking about the price versus the amount of money that the family member is going to give you nine out of 10 times. The family purchase is going to come along with a gift of equity, a closing concession. The family is going to be giving you some money as part of this transaction towards your purchase. So you need to balance that, though, because, you know, do you are you going to get the best price and get all this money back? Or maybe you pay a little bit more, but you don't have to put any money down you see so you want to kind of balance that because there's so much flexibility with these home purchases maybe it's worth 500,000 they want to sell it to you for 400,000 and have you come up with your own down payment or they'll sell it to you for 450 and they'll cover everything right so they make a little bit more but they're giving a big chunk of that back to you as the buyer so, so those are some f- from things from a
0: financial perspective then what are what do you say the like the essential steps to ensure a, a, a fair and accurate valuation of the property that you're purchasing. Right.
1: So, this is a big one because, especially, you know, a decade or so ago when there wasn't as much appraisal oversight, um, there could be a lot of funny business going on when it comes to the appraisal piece of this, you know, there yeah. could be bias there. So, you want to work with a lender that'll assist you in hiring a licensed. Certified unbiased appraisal, uh, unbiased appraiser. We talked about the HVCC. There's appraisal independence requirements or AIR that all lenders will require that are followed to get a mortgage. If those appraisal independence requirements are not met, that appraisal is bogus. It basically can be thrown out. Okay. So work with a lender that can help you through that. If you're not getting a mortgage, then you want to find a licensed appraiser with no bias. Or you can get a broker price opinion or a BPO, a real estate broker, will do a price opinion on your house. It's not as accurate as an appraisal, but if you're looking for the cheapest option, those are some potential ideas that you could do um, to save yourself some money, right? So definitely some different options, but the full appraisal, interior, exterior, is by far the most accurate.
0: All right, so in terms of legalities – And even paperwork, what specific measures do you think should be taken to ensure a legally sound and binding agreement between family members?
1: So normally the way this process goes with a family purchase is that before anything is said and done, I'll get a call saying, hey, I was referred to you or I found you and I want to buy a house from a family member. I want to buy a house from grandpa, grandma, parents, brothers, whatever. Once that happens, then at that point, really the first piece is getting a pre-approval done and then getting an agreement in place. So since there's not going to be a realtor involved, the next best place to go for that agreement is going to be a real estate attorney. In Connecticut, we're an attorney state, so there's tons of real estate attorneys all over. Consult with one, get a referral from a mortgage advisor or a real estate professional that you know. Have them help draft a clear and binding agreement. That's really, really important. Now, I have had certain circumstances where people have not worked with an attorney, and they've just gone and done a template for their purchase contract. They'll just go on Google, get the Connecticut purchase and sale template, and fill in the blanks. Mm -hmm. And that might be okay in certain circumstances, but when you're buying a property worth hundreds of thousands, I think it's worth having a real estate attorney double-check the contract to make sure that all relevant details and contingencies are there, that you're protected – you know, you're know you protected from all parties, um, and that everything is really on the up and up. So that's really where you want to start there, and the real estate attorney can be a key component in getting that done the right way.
0: Folks, you are listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast, along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. You can, of course, contact Rob anytime you'd like at 860-413-3938 and online at robgw.com. I'll repeat that. I'll give you an email address uh, more towards the end of the show. Rob, how does how does the home purchase process differ when dealing with a family member? Let's say as opposed to, you know, working with a traditional real estate agent or broker.
1: Right. So, you know, we've kind of, planted some seeds on this yeah. topic as we've been going here. But just to be clear, if you're not going to have a real estate agent involved in the transaction, that means there's no commission to pay. And on average real estate transaction in Connecticut, you could be talking upwards of twelve to $15,000, 20000 in realtor Was commissions.
0: It like six, is it 6%? Generally, general
1: generally, it's 3% for the buyer agent, 3% for the seller agent, more competitive real estate brokerages. Now, I've seen it 2% for the buying and selling side. There are some cut rate brokers, that'll do 1%. That's considered like bottom of the barrel. Nothing against them. They're just super cheap. You get what you pay for. So no commissions, less fees, more money for the seller. That is actually probably 50% of the reason why a lot of people choose to sell their home in this way is that they can save five figures in commissions by just selling it to a family member versus somebody else not needing a realtor. Also, there's no marketing or advertising needed. True. That's huge. Realtors build that cost of marketing and advertising a home into their commissions that they have to pay. So it's like if they don't need to market the home, they don't need to go find a buyer and all this. There's, there's no need for a realtor. Again, easier process, more stress-free, at least it should be, and a faster transaction too because less due diligence time. They already know the property. We can move things quickly through the process. A lot of these family home purchases can be done in a lot quicker than a regular purchase, 30 days or less in a lot of cases. The, I've seen it even two or three weeks if they're ready to rock and roll. Wow.
0: I can't, can you share any uh, real estate success stories, or maybe even some challenges that were faced by individuals who bought homes from family members? And really, what valuable lessons can be learned from these experiences? I, I ask you this because the last thing anybody wants to do is, you know, you ever hear the expression "you never go into business with a family member"? Yep, you know, yep. and when you start, I'm not saying this is business, but it's a transaction. And any you do that with a close friend or a family member, if something goes awry, that can cause permanent friction that, you know, within those. Yeah. Uh, any stories that you can share? And pitfalls to stay away. I know I asked you that question already. Right. But, you know, what would help guide us? Just-
1: yeah, a couple specifically came to mind. So I had a client, uh, actually a couple come to me last year in in mid 22 from New Milford Connecticut and they were buying a home from the uh, the wife's parents and they had been actually living in the house in the finished basement with their 2-year-old and I think they had a 1-year-old and a 2-year-old okay and they're living in the parents finished basement in the house and you know they were young and they wanted to buy a property and the family wanted to give it to them the family the parents I should say were moving on to that retirement chapter and they wanted to stay living there for at least the time being, but they wanted to kind of pass that along. So they bought the house. They were able to negotiate to buy the house for $250,000. And a year ago, when we had the house appraised, it was appraised for 325000 So they walked in the door with 75000 in equity, again, a year ago. Now it's quite a bit more. That market's gone up substantially. They didn't need any money at all to buy the home. And they were very tight on money because they had these two kids and young couple So they got a gift of equity for the entire down payment and closing costs. Actually, the only money they did have to pay was for the appraisal. It was about $450 for the appraisal. That was their total out of pocket to buy this home for $250,000 because of the way that they did it. So that was just a huge windfall for them. And actually, now they're in a position where they can tap some of the equity in their home because they've owned it for a year. And I'm in discussion with them now about doing some renovations and things. And they're going to be tapping some of the equity in the property. So that just goes to show you what can happen if it's done right. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Next one uh, is, and I know we're limited on time. So the last story I'll tell you right now was a gentleman named Greg, Greg was from Southbury and he had reached out to me, Uh, he found me on Google actually, his dad owned a home. It was a condo, actually, and was getting to that final phase in life. He's like, I don't know how much longer my dad has. I've talked to my you know, family and brothers and sisters about it. I'm local. They want me to, you know, they're good with me taking over and, and doing all that. And I've been living with dad for, for a year as well. So it made sense. So the son took over the mortgage. Actually, what we did is we paid off the dad's mortgage completely before his mental state deteriorated greg bought the property from him for 150,000 only cuz the oh. dad only owed like 130 something on the mortgage so we bought the property for 150 way under market value sure. actually the appraisal was 295,000 So do the math on that, you know, and the dad was able to stay living there. Like I said, you don't have to do that. Just these examples. That's kind of how it worked where they stayed there. But a lot of the time the family member may have already passed on or they may not be living there, right? It might be an investment or a property they used to live in. Now they're in a nursing home or whatnot. So the great thing too with this one is Greg was able to get a home equity line of credit a year later and- because this – actually, I'm sorry. This was in 2021, this story I'm telling you. So last year he was able to get an equity line of credit, and uh, he accessed $50,000 he used to start a new business. Had he not bought the property from his dad like oh. that, he wouldn't have been able to start the business. Hey,
0: All right. I got – if you can answer this quickly, uh, you got two minutes. All right. Yeah. Anybody considering um, purchasing a home from a family member, any piece of advice – that you can offer us top s- pieces of yeah.
1: advice to ensure a positive experience. Sure. If you don't go about it the right way, you're asking for trouble. So pay close attention. First of all, get pre-approved early. These can be sometimes a little more complicated with just where the money's coming from and all that. So like, let's hit the ground running and figure out if you're pre-approved, discuss your strategy, your timeline, and then you can also get your ducks in a row with the family member. I've even had cases where I'll talk to the family member for you just to kind of smooth things out and let them know that you're in good hands of a professional. Um, So I recommend 60 to 90 days ahead. If you have credit issues, six months or more ahead, make sure everything's in line. If your family is difficult and you know who I'm talking about, right? If your family is difficult, make sure to have an intermediary or that unbiased third party. You really need to, whether it's Uncle Joe or (laughs) Attorney Dan, somebody's got to be helping with that unbiased. If they think that they're biased or they're on one side or the other, it's not going to work. And then the last thing is to find that trusted real estate attorney uh, whether it's for the unbiased third party or just to help with the closing because you're going to need an attorney in Connecticut to facilitate a closing, okay? So get that great attorney to help with the process, specifically that closing process. And generally the best attorney is going to be referred by a mortgage advisor who has a lot of experience. They know who the good ones are and who the bad ones are, who the ones that take care of the clients and get things done properly versus the people that let the ball drop, right? Okay. So that's your best bet. That's your best tips for buying a family home.
0: Folks, if you've got any questions on the subject matter of uh, this morning's show or any of the other shows that we have uh, performed, oh my goodness, in the weeks, months, and even years have passed, simply contact Rob Weinberg. And there's a few ways to do that. You could go right on their website. Uh, which is robgw.com again www.robgw.com if you'd like to schedule a consultation with rob that's very easy to do as well you simply call him at 860-413-3938 again it's 860-413-3938 if you've got a question that you'd like to have answered right here on these very uh, uh airwaves that's simple to get accomplished as well. You simply email your question to Show at gmail.com. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thank you so much for listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast. Until next Saturday morning, have a good one, everybody. So long.